Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And we've had a bunch of different things going on this past week and a lot of stuff to look forward to. So let's jump right into it. Also, we have our first ever story time where I'm going to tell you about the first time and the only time where I actually had to compete for my rival school in a meet. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Before we get into things, uh, make sure that you follow like the show, subscribe, give it a rating, all that good stuff really helps us know that you're enjoying what you're listening to and, and keeps us moving forward. So thank you all for the support so far, and, and let's keep it going. Uh, first, let's get into some not-so-great news. So just recently, I believe it was three or four days ago, the NCAA announced that they are going to be canceling all of the Division Three Winter Championships due to low participation. So this also obviously includes indoor track and field, so there will be no NCAA championship for the Division Three level. And that stinks because Division Three is either the biggest or it's the second biggest amount of schools that compete. Um, a lot, like most athletes are, are Division Three athletes. And a lot of so that takes out a lot of athletes that aren't going to be able to compete and i i think that this is obviously due to that these programs and schools since they're not as focused on athletics they're more focused on the academic portion of where they just don't have as big enough a budget because they're you know they're a smaller school or it's just a smaller program they're not able to have these schools or these sports that don't make money to begin with um i.e. track and field just don't make a lot of money swimming don't make doesn't make a lot of money and now they're really just bound banking on basketball and, and division three basketball i mean that's not that doesn't make a ton compared to division one and now you're going to be taking away pretty much all of the attendance and you don't really have tv rights to begin with and so now it's just kind of like a hope to see what happens and so there it's obviously just doesn't make any financial sense probably and participation wise a lot of the schools i'm sure they're just like hey we're we're, we're gonna board it up for this week uh, or for this winter and and hope for something outdoors or or hope for something outside so that stinks uh, i know a lot of my friends go and compete for division three schools or they did compete at division three schools and now to know that they are not going to be able to or that they if they were competing now aren't going to be able to and, and even the people that you don't know i mean those athletes they they're not going to be able to compete they were practicing and training and some of them i'm sure probably already had meets and now they won't have it so what are they going to do uh, are they just going to are they going to transfer, try to go somewhere else, maybe a Division II school that is going to have a, a championship or, or Division One if they have that ability as well? Or is it going to be a, a, an area where it's just like, you know what, I'm going to hang up the spikes or I'm going to maybe see if I can do this next year. It was great while it lasted, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, I'm interested to see how, how that goes. So we'll keep an eye out for that on updates if anyone's, you know, transferring or whatever it is. So stinks, but... Um, we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. And so not great. Um, transferring onto a much bigger note or better note. We have, uh, some updates I, I want to do, um, to, to kind of start this show off. 
Biggest update, I would say, first we'll do power rankings. Let's do that. So for those that, that don't follow, follow me on Instagram. We, we come, out, come out with this content a, a day or two early. We try to be before the, what is it, the USTCCA. They have their own rankings. I have my own as well. Um, we have a whole algorithm for it. But follow me on Instagram. You can see this earlier. But we have our week three official rankings for power, for who I think, has the best chance of making the of winning the championship. So for the men, it's for both the men and the women. It's not a lot of change this week. Last week there was a lot more, but this week it's a lot of the same names that that you heard last week. So first, Oregon projected fifty four points, LSU forty seven points in second, Florida State forty one points in third, Texas Tech thirty-three points in fourth place, Georgia twenty-two points, uh twenty-two points fifth place, Florida, Tennessee, and NCA and T all in sixth place with a projected nineteen points. And then there's a bunch of other ones that are just in the high teens, but missed out on the mark. So there's a lot of teams that could win it. Right now the, the front runners would be LSU uh, Oregon and FSU. Those would probably be your front runners for who can take it, the the actual championship. And then there's a good chunk right un, un, right underneath. But it gets it gets extremely competitive. And who knows? I mean, this obviously isn't including the relays because we don't know exactly who's going to be on those relays. And as we get closer towards the end of the season, I'm sure we can add it. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see how how this goes and and, and what's going on. But so far, a lot a lot of parity, especially with the the men's side. A lot of great teams that are up there. Uh, women's team, it's getting closer. So I was gonna say last week, if you listened to last week's episode, you heard I said it's gonna be a runaway for Arkansas, and it just seemed like every week they were just putting up more and more and more numbers. And now that gap is shrinking. It is not as dominant as I thought it was. So, um, number one, Arkansas still. But instead of, what, 92 points, I think they were projected last week. This week, 70. So they go down by 20 or so points. That's a lot. That's a lot of points. Now, obviously, I mean, they have a lot of a lot of athletes that are running top times, and other teams are going to take those points eventually. But that's a lot of points. 20 points going down, so they're down to 70. Texas A&M, second place with 57 points. So they're, they're, they're closing the gap. They're closing the gap. It's not that much. Soon, I mean, they, they could turn that into 60 points. Now you're just down 10. I mean, that's a first place somewhere. <laughs> like they're, they're really coming up close. Uh, Georgia, 35 points with third. Then you got Texas with fourth place, 34 points. LSU, fifth place, 26 points. Texas Tech, sixth. Texas Tech and, I'm sorry, USC, both in sixth place with 25 points. And then rounding out the top eight, you have Alabama with 23. So a lot more points that are given here. Obviously, we don't even have anyone that's in the teens yet within the top eight. Uh, you have to go all the way down to 10th place to find somebody that's projected to be in the teens. So at the top of the list, it's pretty fairly distributed uh, besides the top two point, the top two scores where they're projected to get most of them, obviously. But it gets a little more, there's a lot more competitiveness. It should be exciting. And I'm liking what I'm seeing from Texas A&M. They're being able to 
really kind of get up closer and be in that conversation to win this championship, not just allow Arkansas to take it, which I originally thought they were. I think the biggest help for Texas A&M are going to be other teams because, as I mentioned, a lot of these points are coming from where Arkansas has like three or four girls that are all within the top eight. If you can get somebody from, it doesn't even matter the school, like uh, someone that's outside of the top 10, maybe they only have one or two athletes competing, but they're they're pretty good, then that them taking away points from Arkansas is going to really, really be helpful because they have a ton of competitors and, or a ton of athletes. And so by being able to take those points away is going to be huge for Texas A&M. So we're going to have to see how that goes. But um, so far, it's getting to be more and more competitive. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, where that's going to go. And that's going to kind of turn us into the next topic. And that's going to be some of the stand, standouts that, that I've seen. So the first standout, I'm going to go over two of them. One for the, one, the biggest male and the female standout. I was debating where to go. And since this wasn't technically all this week, but... I mean, she's just been super dominant. I have to give it to her. Uh, Aething Moo, I, I might have butchered her name, I'm sorry, uh, from Texas A&M. She's just been super dominant this year. She's leading pretty much in every category, I believe as a freshman too. So let, let's show what she's doing. She has NCAA leads, and I believe she they were world leads at one point. I don't think they are anymore, but... Um, if not, they're within top five for, for them as well. So for the 400, she ran a 50.5 world lead, uh, for the 600, a 125, uh, sorry, uh, NCAA lead. And, uh, for the 800 ran a 201, another NCAA lead. And she's just dominating. I mean, she's part of that. The, she is a main part of the reason why Texas A&M is so, uh, is, is shrinking the gap between Arkansas. And I would say I'm not, I haven't made them them yet where I have my projections for the Bowerman. I'm, I'm going to be coming out with Bowerman projections and all that later on in the season. Don't want to do it right now when there's so many things that can happen and some teams that are just getting started. But right now, uh, she's my, my number one pick for the Bowerman. Uh, for on the women's side for those that don't know what the Bowerman is it's essentially the Heisman it's the athlete of the year for track and field so she's dominating she is just killing it I'm super excited to see what she does um, moving forward I believe she can definitely go under eight minutes I mean or two minutes sorry in the 800 she's she's just putting in some some crazy times and and that's why Texas A&M is doing so well so I mean their four by four uh, or DMR is going to be deadly and is going to be even more points that could be taken away from Arkansas so Arkansas better watch out it's not going to be as dominant as I once thought the next was a was one of my favorite storylines and so we talked about it earlier it was an earlier episode title called do you need to run division one and so the biggest misconception I feel that people have is that if you want to run fast you have to run at a division one program that is a major program and if you just listen to the interview last week I had with um I had with Chad Zallo, or just last a few days ago. You heard that he was the NCAA champion and six-time NCAA All-American going to Youngstown State. 
Like he was a, he did very, very well at a smaller program, division one for sure, but it's not one of those, you know, power five schools. Like you don't have to go there. And this is a perfect example of someone that not only did they not go to a large program, this person didn't even go to a division one school and is dominating. So this week, uh, my standout on the men's side is Trevor Bassett. Uh, he went. He goes to Ashland University, uh, which is, I believe, oh, is it in Ohio or North Carolina? I'm sorry, I can't remember. You know, I've competed against them a few times. But uh, he ran a, the 400. He ran a 45-27. This were these were both at American Track League, which was a, another great meeting. Uh, meet, keep it up, American Track League. Love what you're doing. And so they ran. A, he ran a 45-27, which was an NCAA Division II record, and it was also the number. It's the number one time in the NCAA for all divisions: Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, all that. Number one time in college, and so. He, he did crazy numbers. And then he also ran uh, in the 60 hurdles. He ran a 7.68, which is number two all time in the in division two. And it is also currently the second fastest time in all of NCAA division one, two and three. And so it just shows to you. And I keep wanting to say this because it's so true. You don't need to go to these blue chip schools in order to run blue chip times. You don't have to be at the biggest school that has the biggest name and has the biggest funding and all of that stuff in order to be ha to be a fast athlete. You just don't have to do it. You can run fast, throw far, jump high at any school, anywhere. As long as you enjoy it, you like the pro you like the program, has a good coach, good enough facilities, and you're competing in good enough meets. You can go anywhere. You don't have to be at these blue chip programs. So Follow where you want to go. Don't just follow where, you know, people think you have to go. Don't be like, oh, I want, don't be infatuated with the idea that I want to tell people where I compete. Like when people say, oh, you're a college athlete. Yeah, I go to North Carolina and they're like, oh, you, so you have to be really good. No, like this guy, people are like, oh, I go to Ashland. People are like, oh, I don't know what that school is. It's like, yeah, but I'm also, you know, the division two record holder and number one, number one in the NCAA. Just because you don't know my school doesn't mean anything. So keep that in mind. Like, go to where you know you can run well. You don't have to be going to these to these big time schools in order to be running big time times. Uh, and so yeah, there's that. And then now I want to get into a little preview for for next week. Something that I'm really looking forward to with the upcoming uh, upcoming meet, New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. So this is going to be probably the biggest meet of the year biggest indoor meet for sure because world championships is canceled but we have the biggest names uh that are going to be in it so this is happening february 13th and i believe staten island so um ocean breeze facility it's a great place to run i've competed there a few times it's really awesome and so right now we have uh noah lyles uh Brumell, McLaughlin and Centrowitz that are already confirmed and a lot more names that are coming. So it's going to be a huge meet. Make sure that you tune in. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where it is. I think it's being streamed on YouTube. Uh, might be on ESPN or, or maybe one of the other you know flagship programs, but it's going to be a, a huge one. If you if you thought that American Track League has had a lot of meetings, uh, this is going to be a big one. So do not miss that. Miss out on that one. I'm, I'm certainly excited for it. And then now... I wanted to, I, I've been reading the, the comments or I put out the poll the other day saying, 
what are some things that you guys want to be seeing more often? What are some things that you're interested in? And the most responded or most liked response was that you want to hear some more personal stories of me when I ran track and field and, and some interesting things that happened to me. And so I was thinking about it, like, what are some interesting stories, some crazy things that happened when I was competing? And the first one that came to mind was that the time that I had to compete and run for my rival high school in a meet. And let me tell you how that happened. So in middle school, I went to this school called Strathaven High School, public school just outside of Philadelphia. And I started in seventh grade, really enjoyed it, um, decided to come on back my, my eighth grade year. And I was doing pretty well. I was, I, was, I was doing well enough. And so we had a meet, dual meet. So it's just us and, and another school, other school called Conestoga. And so we're, we're demolishing them. Our team was, was pretty big for middle school. We had 60, 70 kids uh, that were on the team. And they only had about 20 or less. So we had, we were beating them in numbers and just skill wise, we were, we were pretty good. And so by the time the four by one happened, which for those that don't know, and at least in middle school where we're from, we were already demolishing them by a lot. And it was pretty much like the meat was over. Like it was, it was pretty much done at that point. And for middle school track, at least where I grew up doing middle school track, there are weight classes. So it's not like in high school or college or professional level where you compete against anyone. In this scenario, you competed against people in your weight class. So I believe there was a 95 pound, 105 pound, 115, and then unlimited. And so in order to compete, obviously you have to be that weight or below. And so I was in the, the 115 class. So whenever I was competing, uh, I believe this was mainly for relays and sprints. Um, they didn't, it wasn't for distance races. It was just for the, the sprinting events and, and the relays. I was in the, the 115 class. And so we had a lot of, a lot of people. We had like about two teams for the four by one. And, and for the four by four, there was a lot of people because we had such a large team. And so we had a lot of, a lot of times competing. And so with this meet, Conestoga, they only have four kids that are on the meet. They only have four people in the 115 weight class that are able to do the four by one. Everyone else is either weighs too much, they're in the unlimited weight class, or they are smaller and they're competing in the 105 weight class or the 95 pound weight class. And so in middle school, you can only compete in one relay. So once you've competed in one, you're not allowed to compete in another one. And so the way that it went was from 95, 105, 115, and then unlimited. And so the 95 pound weight class goes, they have their four by four, four by one. We have our four by one. I can't remember. We won or they won. It doesn't matter. Then belt gun goes up. All right, time for the 105 weight class. 105 gets on the line, guns up, ready. Boom. They go. They're off. Now it's the 115. And so by this point, I... I was going to run, but there was just no, there was no need since the meet was already over. So I'm standing now on the side. They're like, Hey, Colin, like, let's get out. Let's put somebody else in so they can, they can run for this weight class. And so I'm standing out and the, the other guys, they're doing their, 
their warm-ups, you know, where you're putting the tape down and just, like, doing a little stride. And one of the guys on their team, it was in their – it was their third leg, so right on the curve. One of the guys on their team gets, like, hurt when he's doing his when he's doing his warm-ups. I remember – I'm like, how do you hurt yourself doing your warm-up? He goes and does a stride, and, like, he pulls up, and, like, his, he's, like, holding his hamstring, and he falls down. like, ah, I can't, I'm, in, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And so everyone's like, oh, crap. Well, it's only two teams because it's only my team versus his team. And this guy's hurting and he obviously can't run. I mean, so are we just going to call it off? Like, I don't want to, we don't want to have everybody in this time just go for nothing, right? And they they can't have anyone in the 105 class run because they've already ran. They can't have anyone in the 95 pound class run because they've already ran. And they can't have anyone in the unlimited class run because, you know, it wouldn't be fair. It's in a, it's in a different class. And so they're looking around like, what the heck are we going to do? And so I'm like, hey, I'll run for you. I'll, I'll help you out. And the coach is like, they go up to my coach and said, hey, you know, Coach Taylor, are you okay with letting Colin run for our injured runner? And he's like, I guess, <laughs> like, go ahead. And so I put on their jersey. I line up on their their third class, their third uh, guy, and I'm just like, "Wow, this is so bizarre. I have no idea. Like, what we like? Does this guy know what my steps are? Because I know I was significantly faster than this person. So, like, I just let him know, like, hey, like, go, like, push it back a little bit. Like, just leave a little later." Um, not too much later, but leave a little later. And I was going to, you know, try to do, figure it out on the fly. And so we run and we're getting beat by a little bit. First two legs, you know, you're not going to get beat by a ton by that point. And so it comes to me and it's, you're, we're losing by a little bit. I'm talking about me and Conestoga. Like I was running for their team, the their team was losing. And so I'm thinking like, what am I going to do? Am I going to like want our team to win and, and let that guy, you know, go fast and I'll run slow. I'm like, screw that. Like I want to win. I want to win on my team, even though I'm not on my team. So I get the baton. Like it was terrible handoff, worst handoff I've ever experienced. I mean, we had no, no practice. I just got there. Of course it's going to be bad. And so we get the baton. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, catch up to the guy. And so now we're in the lead by just a little bit. Like, uh, and so I'm running against my teammate who I, cause I was normally the second leg. And so I would hand off to this guy, uh, I believe Connor. And so I'm looking at him like, I'm going to try to beat you, man. And, and so we catch up. So it's about head to head and uh, hand the baton off to our guy or the guy on Conestoga. And luckily it's not terrible. Like we kind of buffed it a little bit, but we, we, we figured it out, got it, got it off. And the one thing is the guy that was our anchor leg is really the, or the Conestoga's anchor leg is really fast. They didn't have many other fast people on their team, but they had the one guy, one guy was really fast. And so hand, hand it off our team, my old team or my current team, Strathaven, they buffed it up a little bit and had to slow down. And so that just gave him a window open for Conestoga. I hand it off clean enough. He gets it bolts around, ends up winning. And so I actually ended up being on a team that got points for Conestoga, my rival high school while I was competing for them, even though I went to school at Strathaven. So it was, it was a wild time. It was, it was funny. I enjoyed it. I remember getting, getting some trash from 
my school saying, why would you let them win? Like, why, why'd you do that? And I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm a competitor. I wanted to win. It was fun. So, uh, enjoyed that. And luckily my team and ended up coming out with the win anyway. So it's not like it, it affected us too much, but that was a, that was a crazy time. And that that's something that I'll always remember. And so I'll try to add every once in a while, not every single episode, but every once in a while we'll add some stories to our episodes to be able to have something else to add for you. So we'll do that maybe once or twice a month. Um, awesome. Well, thanks guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode of track world news. My name is Colin Waitsman. As I said before, make sure that you follow us on Instagram. If you want some more content that is at track world news, and then make sure you also subscribe to the show. Uh, we're going to be coming out with some really cool things within the next month, within the next few weeks. So make sure you tune in, but yeah, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, um, give us five stars. It's all super supportive. And I really love everything that you, that you guys have been doing. It shows us that you're liking what's going on. So have a good one. Uh, and we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you.